How could have I told you to? I gotta leave that. I feel like I need a lectern or a, and a, and a something here. I, I, I'm a manuscript. Sorry, it's in the Malone's car. No, yeah, I figured that's where it was. I knew it'd be. Well, I, I say that to say, uh, as a baby preacher, I'm a, I'm kind of a manuscript guy still. So if I'm if I'm in here too much looking down or having to hold my notes, you'll you'll have to forgive me. But I thought maybe I could just start stacking Bibles up. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, good good morning again. Um, I'll uh, kind of start as a uh, uh, kind of admit I, I've, I've uh, preached a version of this sermon before, though I don't believe for anyone in here. So that's except definitely uh, Whitney. But uh, but I say that to say uh, if you have, if you do recognize any of any of what I'm saying this morning, this is a, a revised and expanded edition. So uh, so I think uh, you'll still be blessed and. Um, when I say expanded, I bet all the kids are like, oh, how expanded is he talking about? How, how, how long are we going to be here? I just kid. I know my kids, they're just uh, really thrilled that I'm preaching this morning. They're going to be hanging on every word. Isn't that right, kids? Wow, they literally don't hear me enough. I know, yeah. Well, it's not that expanded. I can promise you that. It's actually not that long, so you'll be all right. So you're good to go, Wilbur. Sound good? Mary Bell, Oscar, yeah. Man, they love when I do that. Okay. <laughs> now, uh, so kind of to get us in, though, uh, a certain aspiring nun uh, once said, let's start from the very beginning, a very good place to start. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to sing, I'm not going to make you listen to me sing Do, Re, Mi, but a la Maria von Trapp, I, I will say, let's start with the text itself. A very good place to start. I love to start with the text. So, you know, this morning we're going to be camping out in Psalm 16. We'll go through the whole thing. It's not a long psalm. Uh, some psalms are shorter. Some are way longer. One in particular, I think we all think of one song in particular that's way, way longer. Uh, but Psalm 16, uh, not, not terribly long. So we're going to go through the whole thing and camp out here this morning. So I would encourage you, if you have your Bible, to go ahead and, uh, and, and head over there to Psalm 16. Um, you know, as another admission myself, I'll say, I think tonight, tonight, today's a good morning uh, to, to actually, you know, go to the psalm in the text if you do uh, bring your Bible to church. Because we're going to really be uh, looking at some of the structure of it, hitting, hitting it. We'll be really camping out in here and hitting a lot of things in the psalm. So I think it actually helps to have your eyes, uh, be able to put your eyes on it. Um, like I say, an admission of mine actually is I've, I've come to where... Um, usually when I'm, when I'm listening, I, I, I've gotten where uh, I typically don't pull out my text anymore in service. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll like to listen to Adam read the scripture. And, and uh, I guess part of it's almost historically. I, I think of back in the day, um, you know, in, in, in the times, in Bible times and past that, in the early church times. Uh, I mean, people weren't really, you know, reading along and didn't have their own Bibles uh, forever. And, uh, but they would hear the word preached over them. And, and uh, I, I've kind of liked and taken, I've taken a... To, to, to doing that on Sunday mornings myself a lot. I don't know. I think in a way it almost helps me feel connected to some of my early Christian brothers and sisters who used to kind of take it in the same way. But, but I say that to say, if you're one of those people like I am, uh, I would break that for this morning if you're able, because I do think it'll really help to put your, your eyes on the text. Uh, so uh, that being said, uh, Psalm 16, uh, I'll start by uh, reading the Psalm and then we'll, we'll get into it. <clears throat> Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints of the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. 
The sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shield or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you again for this time to gather this morning. I can't help but lift uh, Addison and the Malones up in prayer again, Lord, as we start. And just uh, pray that you would let them... Uh, feel our prayers going up to them and for them this morning, Lord. Uh, and we're with them in spirit and we love them, God, and ask that you would continue to have your hand in that situation. Um, we thank you, God, for everyone who is able to be here this morning. I thank you, God, for uh, each person here and uh, for having the privilege to be able to preach from your word to them. I ask, Lord, that you would uh, guide me and use me as an instrument, God, that you would speak your truth uh, through me, God. Uh, that if I err, you would minimize that, Lord, and that you would be exalted and glorified in all that is done here this morning. So just ask that you would minister um, to each person here this morning, God, and help us to uh, learn more about you, God, to, to know you better. And ultimately, we, uh, we pray that you would be praised and glorified, God, this morning. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we, we really get into it, I wanted to point out a couple things about this psalm that might help us to really understand it as well as possible. Like I said, I think we're going to be looking at the structure a little stuff, so I think it helps to be able to kind of put our eyes on it this morning. Something that I, I didn't notice at first, uh, but that I noticed after reading more and more and meditating more on it. If we look at how the psalm begins, who is David speaking to at the beginning? He's addressing the Lord directly, speaking to him in the second person. He says, preserve me, O God, in you I take refuge. You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. And then if you'll look down at the ending, starting in verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David's addressing God directly, both at the beginning of the psalm and at the end. But then if you, if you note and look in the middle part, he's not doing that. David switches from speaking directly to God at the beginning to speaking about God in the middle referring to him in the in the third person he says the Lord is my chosen portion of my cup I bless the Lord who gives me counsel I have set the Lord always before me and then he switches back to speaking directly to God at the end now I I mentioned that because I think when we notice something in the structure of the text like this a lot of times it helps to be like oh wow that's kind of interesting. I wonder if it means something. Because a lot of times it does. 
So we should probably be looking at this psalm now and thinking, why did David write it like that? There may very well be something in the meaning of the whole psalm that is illumined by the way David has bracketed it, so to speak. The way we read the middle part should probably be informed by how David has bookended it by speaking to the Lord, but only speaking about him in the middle. Because that's what David does, right? He only speaks about God in the middle, right? If you look at it closely, is that what he does? Is that exactly what he does? Do you see it? Right in the middle, when he's speaking about God, in that second half of verse 5, what does David say there? You hold my lot. Aha! So, so what I said at first isn't exactly what David did, is it? Yeah, he does switch from speaking to God at the beginning to speaking about him in the middle and then speaking to him again at the end. But out of nowhere, in the middle, where he's speaking about God, he drops this one more direct address to the Lord right there in the center of the psalm. So our antenna should probably go up again. My spidey sense is tingling. If you're a comic book fan. I was at Comic-Con yesterday, so I saw a lot of Spider-Men. <clears throat> Maybe we should take notice of this lone statement that stands in the center of the psalm. What does David say again here? You hold my lot. I bet that's important. But what does that even mean? Exactly. You hold my lot. What is a lot? Is it like a lot of something? Or is it like, a, like a, an empty piece of land, a vacant lot, or a parking lot? Abraham's nephew, Lot, right? No, that's not what he's doing here, right? It's none of these, of course. You hold my lot. If we, if we really want to get technical, the Hebrew word David uses here is goral. And it's the same word we're talking about when we're talking about casting lots, which is something we actually see in other places in the Bible. It's when people need to make some kind of decision or determination. They would take a bunch of little pebbles or sticks and they would draw them blindly to see who ends up with the, the odd colored pebble or with the short stick. So it's just a game of chance, right? Wrong. At least this psalm saying, you hold my lot, it would indicate that it's not chance. In other places we see it in the Bible, would actually, it would actually indicate the same. The Lord holds my lot. My lot is not chance. It's God's. Are there, are there some other places we can remember from Scripture where they cast lots and God's word reveals to us that the outcome wasn't chance? Y'all remember Jonah, right? When he's, when he's hightailing it to Tarshish, and he, when he's refused to go to Nineveh the way God has told him, and they're on that boat, and the tempest hits, and it's about to break the boat apart. And the sailors, they're saying, let's cast lots to see who's the reason for this. And the lot fell on Jonah. Do we really think it's by chance that the lot fell on the right man? Or in the book of Acts, after our Lord Jesus has ascended, and the 11 remaining disciples are trying to decide 
who to replace Judas with, and they cast lots to decide who Judas is replaced with. And as they're casting those lots, if you look at it, Peter tells them that all of this was done so that the prophetic scriptures of the Old Testament would be fulfilled. In other words, it was part of God's plan. It wasn't chance. And as David says in Psalm 16, it's the Lord who holds my lot, not leaving our lot to chance. And perhaps even more intriguing, to me at least, the the word lot here, it can refer to the pebble or the thing itself that that is cast to make the determinations, but it also refers to that which is determined by the casting of lots. So it can kind of actually also mean like destiny. Or perhaps more accurate in our context, our lot in life, so to speak. So what David is saying in this statement that he's highlighted in the middle of this psalm is that it's not chance, but the Lord who holds our lot in life. I think we can shorten that even further and remain entirely accurate by saying, the Lord holds my life. And I think that another look at this psalm, at its beginning, its middle, and its end, reveals to us that this is indeed the center of the psalm. It's the psalm's center of gravity. It's its heart. The Lord holds our lives. And if this this truth that the Lord holds our lives is the center of the psalm, then we might press further in asking, well, what what does that mean then? What are the implications? I took a lot of uh, inductive Bible study when I was in seminary, and one of the big questions they always wanted us to ask is, hey, when you notice something in the text that stands out, kind of ask, what are the implications of it? So, I mean, that's what we need to be doing here. What does the Lord holding our lives look like? Perhaps unsurprisingly, in the rest of the psalm, revolving around the center, David has much to say about what it looks like for the Lord to hold our lives. We could go on and on about what all David has to say uh, just in this psalm alone, but for our purposes now this morning, I just wanted to point out and briefly discuss three things that David harps on. You see what I did there? Three things David harps on. Three, Three things that David harps on about what it means for the Lord to hold our lives. And like any good preacher, even a baby preacher, I, I've broken these out in three P's, so we have a little alliteration, right, to help us remember. Presence, protection, and provision. We can even push the alliteration a little further if we want to, uh, because uh, what David's talking about here, it's, it's, it's a God who is always present, who provides assured protection, and who bestows abundant provision. And I also want to point out, you know, explicitly that, that while it's true that we're on this side of our Lord Jesus Christ and David is is on that side of Jesus, so to speak, when he's writing this psalm before Jesus is actually, you know, um, become incarnate and come into this world. Um, these aspects of the Lord holding our lives his being always present, his assured protection, his abundant provision, they are absolutely applicable to Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our God, as Thomas would later confess. 
If anything, David's praises for the Lord's presence, protection, and provision, they might carry even more weight, if that's possible, as we consider them on this last Sunday of Epiphany, Transfiguration Sunday, because they each relate directly to how the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ is manifest in our lives and to the world. So, you know, first... We look and see that the Lord who holds our lives is always present. Throughout the psalm, we see this. Indeed, it's implicit uh, in our lives being held by the Lord at all. To hold something, you were present with that thing. It's not distant. The Lord is present in our lives, holding us. And looking at the rest of the psalm, David talks about being in God about not being apart from the Lord, about the the Lord being always before him, about the Lord being at his right hand and him being at the Lord's right hand, about dwelling with the Lord, about not being abandoned by him. And David explicitly mentions the Lord's presence. The presence of the Lord, him with us and us with him, it permeates this entire psalm. And his presence is forevermore. We see, too, that David is choosing the Lord. And the Lord is choosing David. It's a beautiful picture of God and his child choosing to be with one another. And it prompts David to sing the Lord's praises. Because we also see that the Lord holding our lives by being ever-present with us precipitates further realizations about what it means for him to hold us. Namely, the Lord's assured protection and his abundant provision as he holds us. Which brings us to our second P, assured protection. This was actually the thing that jumped out to me first when I read this psalm. Because right from the very beginning, David's saying, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines refuge as a shelter or protection from danger or distress. Or something to which one has recourse and difficulty. Praise God that he is our refuge. And as was the case with the Lord's presence, his protection is also implicit in David's central statement. You hold my lot. You secure my life. You make it safe. And the reference to the Lord's protections, they go on from there. David continues proclaiming that he shall not be shaken, that he dwells secure, that the Lord will not abandon him to Sheol or let him see corruption. David says that rather than death, the Lord makes known the path of life, which reminds me of what Jesus will proclaim about himself later. I am the way and the truth and the life. The Lord's protection never fails. It is assured. And in addition to assured protection, David also praises the Lord's abundant provision, our third P. Again, David hits on this from the opening verses, where he's speaking directly to the Lord, and he's saying, I have no good apart from you. Wow, really? No good apart from God? That is what David is saying, and what God is telling us in his word. He is the source of all that is good. And when we have a a real presence and relationship with that source, his good blessings abound. 
Once again, references to the Lord's abundant provision are strung throughout David's psalm here. He speaks of having delight, of avoiding sorrows, of the Lord as his portion and his cup. He talks about pleasant places and having a beautiful inheritance. He speaks of a Lord who gives him counsel and instructs, giving him wisdom and knowledge. And David can't help to rejoice and sing the Lord's praises, proclaiming, My heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. And how amazing are the threefold blessings that David chooses to end this psalm with. The Lord makes known the path of life. In his presence there is fullness of joy. In his right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is true blessing. This is what it means to to have abundant provision. And this comes in the presence of the Lord and his protection. This is all what it means for the Lord to hold our life. At least based on this psalm and what we've kind of pulled out and highlighted this morning. So if the Lord has revealed to us that he holds our lives and that this means he is always present, giving us assured protection and abundant provision, we, like David, must choose the Lord as our portion and our cup. And when we experience his presence and his protection and his provision, it ought to compel us, like David, to rejoice in and praise the Lord our God. And if you haven't chosen the Lord as your portion and your cup... I urge you, believe his word and give your life over to him to hold. Because something is going to hold your life. Whether it be yourself or some false idol, money, status, sex, someone or something is going to take hold of your life. Guaranteed. Who better to give your life to hold than the one who gave his life for you? There is none better. The one who desires to be present with you. Who will protect you without fail and who will provide for you beyond measure. Anyone or anything else you allow to take hold of your life will ultimately fall short of God's protection and provision. Rather than lifting you up as only God can and will do, it will pull you down to corruption and ultimately to death. Jesus is the only choice who makes known the path of life and in whom is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. How could you not want to walk with him? Now, if you have chosen Jesus as your portion and your cup, then I still urge you further, like David, to sing praises with your lips and in your hearts to him who holds your life. To his assured protection and abundant provision that you have experienced manifest in your own life. I challenge you to to think about it. As you're singing praises to God in church, uh, we won't be singing today, but, you know, other times too. And, and the doxology, we probably will. I mean, you, it's right in there, though. But, I mean, really think about it. Um, the words that you're singing, 
that he calls us to come into his presence, him from whom all blessings flow, him who is faithful and true to shield us with his grace and to purify our souls, protecting and providing for us a long life's way. Praise our Lord Jesus Christ, for he is our refuge. Praise our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have no good apart from him. Praise our Lord Jesus Christ, for he will never fail us. Praise God who gives us life, fullness of joy, and pleasures forevermore. All praise to him who holds our life. Lord, we thank you again for the opportunity to be able to gather together and study and to hear your word. And we thank you, God, that you have revealed your word to us so that we can know you. We thank you, God, that you're not a distant God, not disassociated with us or distant, but that you're a God who's ever-present, holding our lives, and you're protecting us and providing for us, and that we can see that, Lord, manifest in our lives. So we ask, God, that you would just help us to, to meditate more and more on these truths this morning, and they would help us to to have praises for you well up within us. And I pray, God, that anyone here who has not experienced this, this presence, your presence, your protection, your provision, God, that you would, you would call them all the more, God, that they would hear your voice, the voice of their shepherd, God, and that they would come to you. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you alone, God, as the God who holds our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.